Hello everyone, this is your host KK. I'm super excited to let you know that I've launched my first book called Why Me First. It's available on Amazon.com. I'm putting the link in the show notes. Click the link, grab your copy today. There is a free gift for everyone inside the book. May I also request you to please leave me a review. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Imagine celebrating your success going on holidays, having bonfire on the beach with your loved ones. Unfortunately, most entrepreneurs experience burnout within the first year. But what is it that makes others succeed? I'm your host, Tajul Khurana. Call me KK. Join me as we have fireside chats with experts who have insider secrets around how to rest, rejuvenate, recharge and be Bonfire Entrepreneurs. Welcome to Be Bonfire Entrepreneurs with your host Kajal Khurana KK. Our guest today is a keynote speaker and a digital marketing trainer. He has worked with thousands of brands and budding corporate entrepreneurs and have helped them go through digital transformation by training them through complex world. Some of his clients are KPMG, Ogilvy, Tesco, and he is Andrew Davis. Welcome to our show, Andrew. Brilliant. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So, Andrew, please tell our audience who Andrew Davis is and what is your journey all about. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for the introduction. I'll kind of add to that. Before I get to that bit, I'll, I'll talk about where I kind of, where it all started. So I've okay. only worked in digital. I've worked in digital since 2001. Uh, my first job was I used to moderate chat rooms and forums for a television show in the UK called Pop Idol, which was very popular for Liverpool Football Club, for Sony PlayStation and the site called Friends United. So mm-hmm. I was doing that for a year. And the world then when it comes to digital or online very much was fire websites, chat rooms, and forums. That was pretty much the world. Well, definitely the way we brands would communicate with, with their customers and vice versa. I then went to the BBC. I worked at the BBC for four and a half years. I used to produce radio shows there at one of the digital stations called wow. Radio One Extra. So I was a, a radio producer. And that was when I started to really understand content. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is digital content. Because then I would listen to radio. Now I watch radio on a video platform via my phone, if that makes right. sense. Yes. So that's when I started to really understand what digital content is compared to traditional content. The other thing I learned when I was at the BBC was how content can be found. So mm-hmm. understanding that content in this world that we live in can only be found via search, sharing, or kind of stumble across it. So I was at the BBC for four and a half years working in digital radio. I then went, or I was poached by a small startup company that just been bought by Rupert Murdoch for about, 600 million wow. and that's when I uh, yeah, had a lot of money oh how actually many zeros? <laughs> yeah exactly how many zeros how many commas but actually it was a it was a steal because uh, that company was MySpace I don't know if you remember MySpace but um I do, so yeah. I was part of the team to uh to launch MySpace in the UK so I was working at MySpace for two and a half years to give you an idea I joined MySpace uh 2006 so this was when Facebook was only available to students 
the vast majority of YouTube traffic was on MySpace and uh, there was no such thing as Instagram or Twitter or anything mm -hmm. like that. Right. So it was, very, it was very much the early days of what we now see as social media. And I was there, as I said, for two, for two and a half years. I joined when there was about 50 million people on the site. And then within a year and a half, well, yeah, about a year, just over a year, it ended up getting to about 250 million. So it became the largest website in the world. But then a year later, we lost about 200 million. So I kind of know what works and what doesn't. So that was a very interesting time. But I left MySpace January 2009. And since then, I go all over the world training organizations on how to utilize digital. That's connected to their business objectives. And that's the key things. Like what I call it is putting the so what into digital or social or content marketing or influencer marketing now. And that's what I do now. Hence, the clients I work with is the KPMGs. I've, I've trained them in that sector. I've trained Ernst Young. I've worked with Deloitte. I've worked with many agencies, the Ogilvy's, the Saatchi and Saatchi's, the JWT's. Mm -hmm. And any and any other brands as well. So many different brands of all sizes, as I said, all over all over the world. Amazing. Twenty almost twenty years of experience, two decades. Yes, yes. You have seen started, the transformation yeah. of digital world, I would Definitely. say. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of come and I've seen a lot of go. I was working out the other day, I was like, you know what, I've been working in this space. This is my third decade. The noughties, then I was like the all the, the tens and the teenage years, and now it's a uh, the twenties. So um Right. Yes, yeah, my, third, my third decade in this space. Definitely yeah. seen a lot of come and go. Amazing. So, Andrew, you just spoke about, you know, when you were working in MySpace, there were a few things which went wrong. What exactly? Would you give us more insight about that? What exactly <laughs> went wrong? I actually, I actually get this question quite a lot. I actually do a lot of my keynote talks. So what I do now is I'm a trainer and I'm a keynote speaker. Right. And I do get a lot. I do a lot of talks on what happened. Like, why? how did you go from the biggest website in the world to nothing, basically? Yeah, I could spend all day on this, to be honest. But uh, the, the main, the main. We don't factors, have, we don't have a day. Yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> we, have we don't have a day. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly summarise <laughs> it. Um, so two key factors. One was it was owned by a traditional company, and at the time, traditional companies trying to work with a digital company was not working because, especially mm -hmm. when it looks about monetizing, it was at the time where Facebook hadn't identified ways to monetize themselves, which was their ad platform, which mm -hmm. was based on data. So what was happening at those times, it was very much the interruption of ads. So you'd be doing something and a big ad will pop up or an ad will be on your, this was before the newsfeed. So the ad mm -hmm. will be on your pages. Plus the, the site wasn't really kind of like built well. And that was one of the things. So it was looking at a traditional company trying to manage a digital company. And actually it's like putting a, like a square in a circle, it just doesn't fit. So that was one reason. And the other reason was, if you look at what's happened now with the big brands, the core is the same and they innovate around the edges. Right. With MySpace, the core was music and entertainment. And we tried to change everything because we was looking at, oh, there's this video platform called YouTube. Let's create MySpace TV. Oh, there's this site called Facebook. Let's compete with these guys. Let's compete with Bebo. Let's compete with all of the other ones. And then eventually what happens is the core, which was music and entertainment, started being every, any and everything. But if you look at Google, their core is still search and ads. And they, yeah, they'll do other things, but that's the core. Amazon, the core is A to Z, getting you from A to Z when you buy something. They kept that the same, even though they do other things. Mm. The reality is if MySpace just stuck to the core, MySpace would probably be Spotify right now. Oh, because the key, the key thing, yeah, when it comes to online, especially in the music space, is the license of music, the getting the license from the record labels or 
ownerships and the masters. And MySpace had pretty much all that in place already. That was the pivot they needed to make. But instead, they tried to chase too many big brands and eventually, yeah, it didn't work. So Was um, it more of a mindset or focus? Like you said, they shifted their focus everywhere. A, a lot of it was focus, but it also, again, it's, it's, the reality was there was a site called Friendster. Then the next big one was MySpace. So my, there was no... Instagram can look at Facebook to see how to work. Snapchat right. can look at Facebook and Instagram. TikTok can look at Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. MySpace right. didn't have anyone to look at. So MySpace was trying to set the trend, but didn't know exactly how to do it. So I think that played a big part as well. Because like I said, there was no one where we could like learn from. Or, no. Well, obviously I, was, I'm not, I wasn't making those big decisions, but no one, the people at the top could kind of learn from. So that happened. And for social media to be what it became, I think you needed a couple of those first line soldiers to go out there, test the waters. Yeah, they might get killed, but it brings everybody else through. And that's quite a, quite a harsh uh, like, yeah. uh, uh, example, but that's pretty much what happened. Right. Absolutely. No, you nailed it. I mean, it's true. Even though they had first movers advantage, they couldn't survive, which is true. Yeah. It happens to other companies as well. Sometimes. Yeah. So what were your challenges? You know, your transition from being into digital to becoming a keynote speaker and sure. trainer. So um, the first challenge I had, so one of the reasons why I left MySpace was because I suffer from what's called repetitive strain injury. So I have problems in my hands with my nerves in my hands. So I can't type Well, I can, but I'm in pain when I type. Mm-hmm. So that was for me, was the first challenge. It was how can I work in a digital world without the use of my hands? which is quite challenging. So process of elimination got me down to teaching. So I was like, right, I'm going to have to use my feet and my voice. Can't like play football. I can't play sport. Can't sing, can't rap. So it kind of ended up being down to teaching. And that's how I got into teaching. But working at BBC, because I was a producer and I was working behind the scenes, I'd often work with the talent. And I I knew how to structure content. I knew how to structure shows. I knew when to say this and when to say that. Just then I was telling somebody else to do it. I then just had to put my mindset into that. And that was the first challenge, understanding how I could navigate in the world without the use of my hands. Hence why I got into teaching and, and speaking. I would say the second challenge then was trying to get business. Because again, it, it was seen as not a fad, but it was quite, people were not going through this digital transformation then. They're, they're, they're only now going through it because of COVID-19. But um, they were definitely not going through it 10 years ago. So it was that, it was trying to build in what I'm doing, what I'm selling. In fact, the first actual course that I actually managed to deliver was in schools um, before it went to businesses. I ended up doing a course in schools. In England, you've got the GCSEs, which is kind of like your first major like, exams for, for kids at 16. And you have coursework. So what I managed to do is I managed to create a course that was 90% of one school's English coursework. And off the back of that, we had kids that were on Ds. We got them Cs, Bs and As. And off the back of that, it was in the, I was in the newspapers, I was on television, and then my name started to go about. And then what happened was another company who works with organizations contacted me and they said, well, you do this for schools, can you do this for businesses? Mm. And then that's pretty much, I, I delivered it a couple of times there and then word got around and then um, I've been training ever since. Yeah. Very interesting. You know, a lot of people when they, like you said, you came up with this idea that if you can't use your hands, what are the other things you can do? Most of the people or entrepreneurs fail when they see that they are stuck, there's a roadblock or there's an obstacle. They don't know how to move the needle forward, right? It's good that you came up with innovative ideas 
even though you started with schools and all it was amazing hats off to you and second thing one thing you mentioned that 10 years back people were not ready for digitalization as much as they are now thanks to covid-19 but do you think covid-19 yes covid-19 is helping people get online more and more but apart from that people also have some kind of security issues coming online right people don't want to share their information i still have some friends who don't want to be online or give their credit cards or you know do online visas or anything they still yeah. have that kind of insecure feelings uh, you know what are your thoughts on it yeah i think eventually it just goes down to education and trust because again i remember when i was like that i remember when so many people across the world were like that if we just talk about the uk it was never oh we can buy stuff online let's go and let's go and spend money online it was never like that trust had to be built and that's why when you look at sites like ebay and amazon and when paypal came in it eventually built trust and then eventually it became people were happy to do it and then if you look at dating sites again it was like ah you found someone online then now everyone's like i'm on tinder i'm on tinder so again it was that shift and it happens in so many different areas even now when I, as a trainer i'm face to face but obviously because of covid-19 i'm now online where before people would didn't want to learn via zoom or learn via whatever platform but now they're getting used to it so mm-hmm. i think when it comes to people that are still worried about spending money online or using I think it's just a matter of building that trust for them because the reality is yes obviously something slipped through the cracks but most of these sites are, are pretty secure now yes to, yes compared even to if 10 years money ago. yeah compared definitely compared to 10 yes. years ago and even if your money did go you a lot of it works in escrow so you can always challenge you know I always say to people if you really feel uncomfortable use a credit card not your debit card because on a credit card there's ways that you can get that right. money back with a debit card a lot of the time it's just gone so interesting so you train a lot of corporates as well what are yeah. some of the mistakes you see they are doing when it comes to marketing or digital digitalization mistakes I, I, not necessarily mistakes because what i've learned when it comes to content when it comes to social media it's more of an art than a science interesting yes when you're solely working with algorithms it can be quite scientific so mm-hmm. how somebody gets to the top of google it's there's only a certain amount of things that they can do and then it's a race to see mm-hmm. and it's same as advertising it's algorithms and you can do that at any time of day and but again it's it's pretty it's, it's algorithms that you're fighting when you're dealing with content on social media you have one major factor and that's humans and once you put humans into the equation anything can happen and my opinion about good content and your opinion on good content may differ so yes. what you'll find is that it's not necessarily companies are making mistakes it's just knowing how to strategically use these platforms to reach their objectives because you can say technically a mistake would be you've got 100,000 friends on or followers on Facebook but none of them are buying your products yes. now from a, if your objective was sales then yeah that's a mistake if your objective was to build a community or an audience because the reality is online you're either building your own audience or you're going to have to leverage someone else's then you can say that's actually a beneficial so i never re- it's not necessarily mistakes it's just usually how they go about using it right. and does it connect to their objectives mm-hmm. now sometimes when things go wrong so i do a lot of crisis management or reputation management sometimes that will be like a stupid mistake i.e. somebody posted something and they didn't realize it was coming from that account or they've done something 
or yeah, it'll be things like that when it comes to mistakes. Then there'll be things like they're not responding back quick enough. And that you could classify as a mistake, but that's more to do with like a customer service um, issue. But a lot of the times something happens offline and then it comes online. Mm -hmm. So that's when you can look at and say, okay, well, how could we have avoided that? Well, don't do what happened offline. But sometimes a lot of that is opinion based what someone's offended by. So I never really go into companies and say you're making a mistake unless it's like a blatant mistake. Most of the times I just say, okay, well, let's uh, tweak this. I'll try and be as politically as correct as possible. According to you, what is a good content? How do you define good content? Okay. So good content, as I said, good content is subjective. So it's opinion based. But what you want to know is more importantly, and this is what I kind of made reference to earlier, is four things. One, what is the, what I call the so what of this? How do I convert this content? What do I want people to do with this content? Mm-hmm. Secondly, if you were looking at it on a digital social media point of view, how can I get people to talk about it? And when on our online, talking is either like, share, comment, or some form of reaction, depending on the platform. Because this is data or analytics, and you need that because that helps when it comes to the first or the next point, which is to do with the creation of the content. So once I know what I want to convert, once I know what data I want, and once I know one other point, which is how people will find it, which they're either going to find it by a search, share, or by accident, that dictates content that I want to create. So if I wanted to create something that might have like the odds of it going viral is going to be higher. I might be looking at inspirational. I might be looking at stuff that's relevant right now. And I might be looking at stuff that's funny, stuff that's sexy, stuff that's exclusive, all of these type of things, these viral triggers, because that's likely to go forward to get it, obviously, uh, convert uh, viral. But if that's not related to your brand, if that's not related to your tonality, your personality, then there's other triggers that you want to look. But ultimately, what makes good content is knowing how to promote that content, how to get people talking about that content. And the number one is to manage to convert that content to get people to do something. Mm, Amazing. And what are your thoughts about video versus text or image content? Because these Um, days everybody's trying to sell, you know, video is in and, you know, you have to be live or whatever. Video content is in demand or it's probably in next wave. Definitely. And I think video content is nice. Like for me, like I always say, if I was on a desert island and I can only have one platform, I'll pick YouTube because it will keep me entertained all the time. But video is also based on convenience. And convenience for me is one of the key behavior patterns that we have as people. We'll do more for convenience than anything else. Right. So video is good. But if, for example, I'm walking down the street, video isn't relevant to me. Actually, what will be more handy will be audio. Or podcast. if, for example, <laughs> or a podcast, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, or if I'm, for example, I'm the boss at work and I need to go home and I might say, actually, text is easier for me because when I'm on the the train home, I can read it. Video might not be, or especially if I don't have headphones. So because we're always on these now, video plays a very important part. So video definitely, yes, you can say that, but it's all to do with convenience. And the other thing is to be aware that when Facebook or all these sites push in video, they will always make more money from ads, from video ads than text ads or audio ads. So there's also a commercial interest of getting more people to do videos because then they can put those ads at the beginning or during the videos because they're going to make more money. So that's the other thing to be aware of. Yeah. I never had that insight, you know, 
that this is this has got a commercial angle to it you know why everybody is promoting yeah, 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 yeah. i think Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that's one of the one of the um, good things that like working for one of these companies, like one of these big platforms. Is I when when a platform does a move, in my mind, I see it slightly different because I've worked for one of these platforms. I know why this was done. So um, that's why, for example, like when it comes to video, I I understand that there's always a commercial element to it. The other thing I'll quickly add as well is that in a lot of the platforms, the reason you're seeing a lot of videos is because it has a bias to get into the newsfeed. So there's an algorithm bias. So if you post a video, it's more likely to be seen in the algorithm than if you just post text. And if it's more likely to be seen, you're more likely to get engagement. If you're more likely to get engagement, it's going to increase your reach, which goes down to conversion as well. So that's well, surprisingly, reason. you know what? Everybody says that. And my experience in last six months has been every time I write, uh, you know, especially on Facebook, I would say, I write a text, you know, not very lengthy one, but few points like how you can have a positive mind, you know, follow these three tips. My text gets more engagement compared to my lives or my videos. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I think, like you mentioned, it's convenience. People sometimes don't have data, you yeah. know, because to use video, you need to have data and then they don't have time. And maybe the environment is not right. Sometimes you have your kids around you. You don't have your earplugs. That's why you don't want to watch the video. But yeah, exactly. it's easy to read. My personal experience has been more, I've got more engagement on image, like photo content or text content versus video. Sure. I find, so my platform of choice that I use is LinkedIn. That's the one that I use pretty much daily. And I find that on LinkedIn, when I post images or very short videos, they perform better than anything else. I don't post enough on Facebook or Instagram now to kind of say, yeah, I noticed this. However, when I speak to clients, um, when I, I just know loads of people that do well on social, they find that generally videos perform a rich content. So videos and image performs better than text, but I'm a big fan. If you notice that text performs for you better for you, then continue doing that because it's just saying that your audience likes text. No, I still do a mixture of all. I like going yeah, yeah, yeah. live and talking to my friends on Facebook and posting videos on LinkedIn and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So what are some advices I would say? Uh, would you give three tips to new entrepreneurs? What are the right strategies they can use for content creation or content yeah. production or videos? Sure. I think when it comes to new entrepreneurs, if you want to get into, into this game, especially content, then there's three key things to look at one creation of content going back to what we were just saying do we do we do videos do we do images is it text is it audio are we going to go almost to that next level and create apps but ultimately anything you put on the internet is content so we need to know how to create content and also come up with ideas because consistency in content is probably more important than the content itself and consistency mm. really goes down to how often do you create depending on the platform so that would be the first thing, like creation, coming up with ideas, knowing the platform, but also how can you be consistent on that platform? The second thing goes down to, as I said, like once you've created content, you can create the best content in the world, but if nobody sees it, so what? So understanding, once you click publish, what happens next? So if I'm going to use Facebook and I'm putting a video on Facebook and I click publish, how do I promote that? beyond oh, let me post this on twitter or any on the other site so again what happens next or if you post on youtube what happens next and having a checklist of what to do next 
And then the last bit I, I'd be thinking if I was a new entrepreneur would be, what is my conversion? I.e., what do I want people to do? Because without a purpose or objective, it'll be hard. It, you're kind of just doing social media for doing its sake. And I always say social media is a game. I've been in this pretty much since the beginning and I've noticed it's just one game. But the problem is people don't set the rules. And because they don't set the rules, they just do stuff. And eventually they'll say things like, how do I get more likes? How do I get more followers? Or how do I get more connections? Or I'm only speaking to the same people. So the same questions come up. But actually, once you start setting the rules, so for example, your objective may be for awareness. And because it's about awareness, how you go about using social media and what you create will change than if you wanted to listen for analytics. Because if you're listening, you'll probably be... So if, you want, if your objective was for research you'll be listening. Okay, well, what hashtags are people using? What websites are they using? What keywords are they using? Who are the influencers in this space? But if you wanted to get people back to your website because you want to capture their email or you want to do a targeted advertising campaign or sell a product, then you'll be thinking short form content with a strong call to action because all you want to do is get people to click on that link. So how you go about using social media really depends on the rules you set, which is the third part. So create content, understand how to promote that content and what can I get people to do or the conversion or the rules of the game. Right. See, some of the entrepreneurs feel overwhelmed when you say create content and be consistent. Would you give them some kind of advice so it gets easy for them and not, sure. you know, feel so overwhelmed? One of the things I always do, I always, again, what can I, my background was radio. So I started off in live radio during daytime shows, which meant I had five shows a week for three hours on one of the shows. And I had another show as well, which meant that I had to come up with ideas all the time. And if you didn't have an idea, tough, you're still going live to thousands of people. Like, so I kind of learned how to come up with ideas quickly. So for me, coming up with ideas is, is, is not an issue, but not everybody had that experience. So I often say, use the tools. There's so many free tools out on the internet. In fact, if you go to my site, which is andrewmilesdavis.com slash marketing hyphen tools you i will have a guide and it's got 502 at the moment 502 free tools and when i say free i don't mean free for 14 days and you have to pay i mean free forever so there's even a section that says ideas generation so use some of these free tools to come up with ideas because what you will realize once you start doing some of these tools you'll realize that you'll never have an issue with coming up with ideas because the internet tells you and a lot of these tools they use data and the internet works off the basic principles of supply and demand. So they're trying to work out what's the demand for you to eventually supply. So use these free tools to come up with ideas. So when it comes to that, you'll come up with ideas and then it's up to you to decide how often you want to post because you need to be realistic, not realistic to the end audience, but also to yourself. Right. Cause I can get people hyped up and they're like, I'm going to post on every day and I'm going to do a video on YouTube every day. But I know that you might do that in, June, but you're going to be doing that in November. So that's where we need to kind of be consistent in what yeah. we post. If you want general guidelines, if you're using Facebook in your, say, a business page, three to five times a week, if you really want to get onto Instagram, you want to be posting one or two times a day, but use the stories. Okay. Post about five or six stories a day. Now, when it comes to the stories, don't worry about creating, think more about documenting. So right now, I think your own journey. Yeah. So right now I could put this phone here and talk and say, yep, I'm on this podcast right now and da, 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 and I'm documenting. I don't have mm -hmm. to think about what can I come up with creative. I just mm -hmm. document because mm -hmm. 
stories right now is one of the key areas of many platforms. So when it comes to putting stuff in there, your main con- pieces of content, like feeds, let's say Instagram, one or two a day. Um, but then you can also curate content. So rather than just always coming up with it, you can just look what other people are doing and reshare it, repost it, or just download it, put it up onto your site, but give credit to that particular person. Mm-hmm. So actually, if you do, let's say you wanted to do 14 a week, 10 of them or 12 of them might be stuff from other people. And then you only need to come up with two pieces of content yourself. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean. And then obviously we've got stories as well, which you can curate for stories. Right. And well. also they can plan it on a Sunday for the whole week. They don't plan, have yes. to. Yeah. Then your mind is not, you know, thinking 24 seven, I have to post something tomorrow. Yeah. So planning yeah, exactly. and, and uh, plan ahead, know what you're doing. But again, also, as I said, when it comes to getting people to share stuff and virality, knowing what's happening today plays a big part. So for example, I will plan, I always have five things that I want to post on Instagram yeah. every week. But very rarely do I post those five things because something else has happened during that week that this is more relevant. But what I do is I have a backup. So those five are there, but I still check every day to see if there's anything like worth posting that I think. Yeah, but probably uh, as a newbie, you might be finding it challenging. At least as far as you're posting it and your content is relevant to your business, I think that's a good start for them. And then going to next level, they can always have you know, current topics as a backup or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you can do it that way. Or to be honest, you can just look and see what people are sharing. You can just go to hashtag, I don't know, let's say hashtag, let's say for you, you sell, you're into yoga, hashtag yoga, and then just see what other people have posted. And then they might be something you can take from someone else and put on yours and give credit to. And that's just retweeting or whatever platform you're, you're using. It's just a click in the share button. So, or upload it yourself and give credit. So that's another way you can do it. But as long as it's, that's how you can get around the timely element. But I always say to people, be the DJ, you know, DJ gets paid a lot of money. to <laughs> So um, that's what, that's Amazing. part of it. I love that. Well. I love that. Well, Andrew, we don't have much time before we say <laughs> bye to you. Could you please give one piece of advice to our entrepreneurs to escape burnouts and increase productivity? Sure. To escape burnout and increase production. I think it's pretty much what I was saying before. If I had to start again on any website, the first thing I would do, except YouTube, the first thing I would do is I would look at curating or being the DJ. It's like, how can I create content that other people, that people who follow me like? So for example, if I want it to be funny, I'm looking at all the funny memes. If I want it to be inspirational, what inspirational piece of content? If I want it to be forward thinking, what stuff in the innovation and creation space? Can I post this, but then give my thoughts, which might be a sentence or two? That's how I would start and get, build up a following that way. Because the reality is this world we live in now, people are defined by what they share rather than where they click. Mm. In web 1.0, it was very much, I went to eBay, I went to Amazon, I went to breathe.com, I went to Alibaba, I went to, not Alibaba, um, <laughs> and all of these sites, Ask But social media came about, which was kind of web 2.0, which was all about, look what I'm doing, look what I'm sharing, look at this information, let me blog and then share my life. So people became into this sharing space. So what you'll find is that, People are defined by what you share. So you can curate first, have a theme, and then move forward. And that's what I think will be the best way if you want to be consistent, but you don't want to burn yourself out. 
Would that be, up sorry, would that be same for entrepreneurs who are offering services and products or is there a difference? Any, because what you want to do, for example, if I was building up my following, that's the first thing I'll start. And then eventually when I'm ready to sell my stuff, then rather than just every single post is me trying to sell my stuff, it might be five really cool posts about something, then me selling something. Then another four or five good posts, then me selling something. Yeah. So you don't want to be selling all the time because if you sell all the time, you eventually become spam to people because I know when you post, you're trying to sell me something. Right. But you also don't want to just con- always be just giving out great funny pieces of content or engaging pieces of content and not sell because then you have a hobby. Mm. Um, and that's the difference between personal and professional use of social media. What yeah. you want to do is manage to get a mix of the both. You want to be able to use the curation or funny pieces of content that's not necessarily selling to get people engaged, to get people to follow you, to get people to build into you, to get people to like you, to get people to trust you. Mm. Then you can then sell and get people to take some form of action. The traditional world, you'll just go straight for the sell because that's when it comes to advertising, that's all you got. You only had four or five channels. Mm. So now you've got multiple channels, multiple choices, people, expert researchers, everyone's going to be looking and doing their research. So you want to be looking at building an audience that way. Amazing. That was so interesting and insightful. So before we sign off, tell our audience, where can they find you? Yeah, as I said, um, you can go to my website, andrewmilesdavis.com. So that's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-I-L-E-S-D-A-V-I-S.com. If you type in hyphen marketing hyphen tools, sorry, forward slash marketing hyphen tools, you'll get to that guide that I was talking about. Like I said, all free tools. I update it every three or four months so it's due an update actually yeah. um slightly but as i was meant to do it in april but it's actually due but it will it'll be more than 502 next time or you can find me on linkedin which is linkedin.com slash in slash andrew m davis awesome i'm going to put those links in our show notes we normally do yes. that so our listeners can just copy paste and find it easily cool amazing thank yeah, you so much for your time you. If you come to me via LinkedIn, let us know if you come via this podcast because it's always good. Yeah, do my own research. Yeah. Thank you. So anybody who's getting in touch uh, with Andrew through this podcast, please let him know. (laughs) Yes, please. Thank you so much, Andrew. You're very kind. Thank you. Have an amazing day. It was lovely talking to you. And you stay safe. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know Fragrance remains in the hands that gives rose. Would you please share this episode with your entrepreneur friends so we can help each other escape burnout, increase productivity and achieve our goals faster. Also, let me know what topics you want me to cover in our future episodes at info at bodymindsolution.com. Would you please take a moment to rate and review this show that would mean the world to me. And yes, don't forget to subscribe. This is your host, KK. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.